give checks, cash, ridgelandfellowship.com. I do not encourage credit card debt. Amen. I do take tithes off the lottery, though. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise Jesus. That's significant with the dream that she had. Is so, so significant for um, what the Lord has kind of called us to and is doing in this region. Um, can, can, I, can I get my stool? is I has telling you what what we're coming into is and what's here thank you is is an eye has not seen ear has not heard season of of the Lord establishing um things that's going to be extremely difficult to explain but the fruit can't be questioned because the right if I if I has not seen and ears not heard it's gonna it's gonna be extremely different than what we've expected right that's the that's the uh, that's the temptation of of partnering with a prophetic promise outside of walking with the person of the prophecy. It's it's if we if we fall in love with the prophecy and not become acquainted with the one it's pointing to, then we start creating golden calves around it and demanding that the prophecy look like what what I'm used to and what I'm acquainted with. And and for and for me I want to be acquainted with the man of wonder. I want to live in wonder. That's what we were created to live in, was continuous wonder of waking up and saying, what is on your heart, Yahweh? Going to bed and saying, what is your heart and my heart going to encounter when I'm sleeping tonight? That is what we have been saved into. That's what we were redeemed for. To know Him intimately. And to release Him effortlessly. Because it's not by might nor by power. But it is by the eternal Spirit of God that lives and dwells on the inside of you and me. His holy temple. Right? And if we can't, if we can't be acquainted with Him calling you a holy temple then you'll never understand what's living and dwelling on the inside of you. Right? Because if you can't say, I'm a holy temple because he's holy, then, then what, we'll, what we'll equate and what we will deduce down to what dwells on the inside of us is a halfway limited expression of God Almighty. He's saying, if you can get a glimpse of who you are, by gazing into my eyes, then you can become acquainted with the inheritance that dwells on the inside of you and is groaning for you to figure out how to make deposits and how to take and use what's on the inside. 
made the deposit, guys. Right? We need to learn how to spend it. Right? It's, that's what we're called to do. What did he say? The deposit of the Holy Spirit is to guarantee what is to come. What is to come? Heaven on earth. What is to come? Heaven on earth. His will, His way being made manifest. His love working effortlessly and powerfully inside of you to establish the kingdom of God. That's what's to come. This is, um, when we were worshiping, I read this prophecy when we were at Kyle and Dustin's house. Because I believe that this this one, there's a lot, but this one is is extremely marking for what the Lord's doing in the earth, but but also just in um, in our lives here. This is what the Lord told me in November twenty seventh of two thousand eighteen. He said, "I'm establishing the the most emotional bride the earth has ever seen." They will flourish in the beauty of passion for Jesus and compassion for people. They will be extremely emotional, but the seat of their emotions will be governed by the Spirit of Yahweh. They will not be tossed to and fro by the waves of life, but be steadfast in great purpose and devotion. What the earth is groaning for intoxicated sons and daughters. That's what the earth groans for. Sons and daughters who have been intoxicated with the love of God. Who've been intoxicated with the Spirit of God. The earth is not groaning for sons and daughters who have who have who have gotten their skills their talents and their callings and perfected them so they can put a show on. The earth is groaning, groaning for those who've come into and defined by the revelation that you are fully accepted in the household of God. That's That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Raising up a people who who lose it, who can't who can't who can't hold themselves together sometimes because they're so undone by the goodness of God. <clears throat> and that's what we're that's what even with our giving this morning, that's what we're sowing into. I'm just saying. What does Zion look like? What does it look like? What does it look like to be a people who dwell with God? And we're just saying, hey, we're going to give our lives to seeing what it looks like for the family of God to build with to build with Abba. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless you. I was thinking about that. The Spirit 
her spirit, my spirit connected. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can we just say, oh, thank you, God. That your one plan was to display love. To display your love. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that, that we are being shaped by the revelation of your love this morning, this afternoon. Praise the Lord. Thank you that your glory is shaping us. That we're... Do you realize that you're not becoming the sons and daughters of God? You are the sons and daughters of God. When Jesus came and displayed what sonship looked like, he said, I'm becoming a son so all creation can know what it is to walk in unity with the Father. This is what it looks like to be a son and a daughter. That's what it looks like. He wasn't a slave. Sit there and say, well, I only do what, what I see the Father doing. I only say what the Father says. He wasn't doing that in fear. He was doing it in devotion and love. He was doing it as God. Right? He was saying, everything the Father is, I'm putting it on display for all of creation. I don't need you to be a prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I don't need you to be that. I need you to recognize that you're a son and daughter. Right? Because the whole, the whole crux of the gospel is, hey, you are in the family. You are one with the Father. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. We have one, we have one section, right? One section in Ephesians 4 that says he's built his church, right, with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then you have Romans 12 that kind of gets it dicey a little bit, right? In Romans, Paul got it a little mixed up because he didn't go on the same, the same system, right? Because he's sitting there saying it's not about the system. It's not about the structure. It's not about the box. He is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Jesus is perfection. And guess who you're wrapped in? Yeshua. Right? Right? I'm not sitting here as, as a, a, cheap, a cheap prototype. I'm not sitting here as a cheap version, a, a knockoff version of Yeshua. You are not a knockoff version of the Son of God. You are 100% wrapped in the DNA and the identity of Jesus Christ.
That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel that we get to preach. Right? That's the gospel we get to preach. Who's the story about with the good, good father? Who have we been told it's all about? The prodigal son. Right? Who's the story about when Mary comes in with the alabaster box and everyone calls her a prostitute and a whore? Who's the story about? It's not about a whore. It's not about a prostitute. It's about Jesus redefining who that woman thought she was. It was about Jesus looking at the religious system and saying, you don't have the right to label her anymore. Who was the story about with the prodigal son? It was about the good, good father who never rejected his son. But how do we identify with it? With weakness and depravity and broken. And we sit there and say, oh, if they can worship God, then oh, surely I can worship God. And he's saying, I died on the cross and shed every ounce of my blood so you could come into the throne room of grace boldly and without shame, doubt, or fear. And we wear shame, doubt, and fear as if it's accessories that draws Yahweh to us. Look how broken I am. Look how needy I am. Right? We sit there and we say, man, that is the passion that's being awakened in the bride again. The bride that identifies with her groom. Do you hear that? A bride that identifies with her groom. Right? Praise the Lord. (laughs) This is the thing about what the Lord is establishing. You don't know in the in the charismatic evangelical. Pentecostal, prophetic, apostolic, right? Like I thought, I thought when Paul dealt with it between Paul and Apollos, stop, stop dividing yourselves, right? Thought he dealt with it, but that we define the church, the service that we're in as when does the event take place? When, when, when does something happen? And we're, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to condi- condition us to realize that the event is worship. That everything that we're doing is worship. And a lot of times we're looking at the moment, when, when does the roar break the back of Jezebel in the, in the region? Right? When, when, does, when, does, when does this break, break the back of, of, of whatever? I know all their names, okay? I was highly educated in demonology. <laughs> he broke the back of sin, hell, death, and the grave. He went to hell and took the keys.
He's raising up a bride that's secure in her groom. He's raising up a bride that's aware that her groom has everything that she has always and will ever need. I'm telling you, a bride that's infatuated with the lover that has always loved her. I believe that, that Hosea is one of the most important and prophetic books that we can look at right now. Isaiah, 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 sorry, Levi. I'm naming you a different uh, Old Testament name. Levi loves it. It is, it, is, it is the most beautiful picture of what God is doing to the bride of saying, stop running from a husband that never stopped loving you. Stop running. This is, this, is why, this is why I keep telling Jesus that this is for him. Um, planting a church and doing this, I could, I could, I could have been happier doing a, a hundred other things. I, I was, I was, but in the in the end, I realized he he wants a family. He wants family. And what I defined as 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 joy was was happiness. Of running from different churches and and. And getting to jump on stage and shout and then leave. But at the end, this is for him. And it's for the next generation. You sit there, like, it's on a show, like, the reason why I'm jumping with those kids is because they're going to take it. They're going to run with it. They're going to run with it. And they're going to take us places that we never thought was imaginable. They're going to see things that we didn't thought that we, we thought was, 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 was illegal. They're going to do things that we never thought was possible. Right? They're going to do things and they're going to encounter God and they're going to say, hey, you still think he's a tyrant. You, feel, you still think he's angry. You still think he's waiting to judge you. But he said, my judgment is Jesus. I judge you by giving you myself. That was, did we rise? That's his judgment. That was his judgment. Here's my judgment. Jesus. And we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord, for your son. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. Come on. Come on, just tell him thank you for revealing who you really are, Yahweh, through the Son. Thank you for displaying what true love really is. True love is Jesus.
wants to uh, thank you, Dustin. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. I'm going to share briefly this morning just from what the Lord's been kind of put on my heart. That was the prelude, the appetizer. Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm not <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I, uh, I feel like this morning that I'm here to just declare that the Father loves you. Do you believe that? That, that? that the Father loves us. And that is what is supposed to define who we are, how we function in the earth, how we are to, to embrace our calling, embrace our identity. And so I want you to turn to Luke. Turn to Luke, the first chapter. And we're going to jump really, really fast around in Luke 1 and Luke 2, just a little bit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that the word of God is delivering us from every weight, delivering us from this natural realm, and bringing us into a paradigm that's the kingdom. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you for the kingdom. And so while you're looking there, you turn to Luke. Um, this is, it's significant for us to, I was, I was really praying, and the Lord, the Lord whispered this into my heart this week, that, that the only way to understand the gospel truly is to, is to go back to its announcement. The only way that we can understand the 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 reason, the force, the declaration, the revelation of the gospel is to go back to its announcement. And we can look at that in Isaiah 7 and 14, Isaiah 9, throughout Psalms. We can look at the Old Testament. But right here, I want us to look at Luke because it's significant. Zechariah is, is, is serving in the priesthood, John the Baptist's son, John the Baptist's father. And, and it is, it's understood that there was, there was between 18,000 to 20,000 priests serving in this priesthood. And so when Zechariah received the, the token to go to the temple and to serve and to do the sacrifice and serve in the temple, it was, it was significant. Once in a lifetime, Right? With eighteen to twenty thousand folks, four people serving—that's that's a big deal, okay. And so I want you to understand that the season, the moment that we're in, is extremely significant. The reason why so many of us can miss the moment we're in is because God becomes God is very, very specific and significant in almost mundane seasons, right? It seems as if that we've been tooling and striving and praying and going after it and believing for revival and saying win, 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 right? Who, who's prayed for revival? Right? I've, I've prayed for revival. And, and in these moments where it becomes almost as if these insignificant moments, God begins to do things that are very significant in our lives. God is doing something in your life right now that's very significant. 
But if you allow the perception of your insignificance to rule over the awareness of what he's doing, then you can sit from afar and say, win, 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 while it's happening all around you. God is active in your life right now, and he's whispering in your life that you are my beloved, and every promise, I'm your promise keeper. Everything I've given you, it's mine, and I'm watching over it. And so this is the thing. Zechariah's servant in the priesthood. And he goes in. Holy of holies, baby. And he is, he is offering to the Lord the prayers of the people. And he's standing there, and in a moment, he sees a figure. Right? We've heard the story. And, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it is the word, the messenger of God releasing a word of significance in a very, in a moment to where he, I'm, I, this is great. I'm getting, I'm, 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 the system has finally recognized me, right? I've tooled, I've thought, I've worked, and I'm finally feeling like I've reached, I've reached the epitome and I'm being used by God. Right? And then in this season, this moment, we're coming to a place to where the message of God stops us in our tracks and says, everything that you thought was about to happen, I'm fixing to change everything in an instant. Everything that we've prayed for, he's coming and saying, it's better than you thought. So please lay down your old beliefs, lay down your old ways, lay down your expectations and your demands and surrender your yes to me so that you can step into what I'm doing right here, right now. That was the message to Zechariah. You got distracted by striving and working in the system that you forgot a promise. It took so long to happen that you said it will never happen deep down inside. I have talked to more people in this last couple of weeks who are doing the motions but really don't believe that God's coming to change everything. To sit and to gaze into this society and say, I am unmoved by you acting like children and acting childish and acting out your, your illusion. Acting out your deception. I'm unmoved by the way that you're living right now. I'm unmoved by the way that society looks right now. Because God has spoken. Right? God spoke. When Jesus was shaped in the womb of a virgin. And he said, everything that was is no more. And I'm changing everything. And we love, we say, God, come, come. Shake everything that can be shaken until all that remains is king and kingdom. What does he come for first? He comes for our perceptions our demands, our requirements, what we love and what we find pleasure in. And he says, I'm coming for those things because I'm coming to be ultimately everything that fulfills you. Everything that defines what real pleasure looks like. Everything that satisfies and roots you in a secure identity. So let's read it real quick. Let's look at verse 10. Luke 1 verse 10. 
this is a super prophetic message, and so I don't know, it's some teaching, some preaching, it's going to be all over the place. Amen? And again, don't count when I was sitting on the stool. That was not me speaking, okay? <laughs> nice time started. No, okay. Verse 10. This Passion Translation. Verse 10. And he says, A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear, but the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. God is showing grace to you. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many. Amen? Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? How do you expect me to believe this? What God is coming to confront in this hour is, is, is the areas that we've been praying the correct prayers, but not allowing the person of the promise to take root on the inside of us to where we've been saying the right things, doing the right things, to appease the system that we're in. And then God comes and says, I'm going to answer your prayer. And in the moment that he's saying, yes, I'll do it, unbelief comes up and says, but how can you expect me to believe this? How can you expect me to believe that hospitals will be emptied? How can you expect me to believe that the drug culture in this region will be obliterated? How can you expect me to believe that what you say is here is actually going to happen? Because I've prayed the prayers. I've strived. I've worked. I've done the evangelistic stuff. I created sacrifices and threw them on the altar and waited for you to answer, how can I believe what you're saying will come to pass? Yahweh in his goodness is coming after the fear and doubt that the religious spirit has rooted on the inside of the bride of Christ. He is sending the message of righteousness. He is sending the awakening of grace in this hour to come and root out what religion has hid and called it, called it faith, but it was really fear and doubt twisted and deceiving the earth. It's faith. I'll pray the prayers, but I don't believe it on the inside. Why? Because I'm dependent on my striving to accomplish the work, and it hasn't worked yet. Right? We've, I've done this, okay? I'm not saying that God doesn't use it, okay? We cannot lean in 
issue to the, to the prophetic gestures of a religious system. And think it's going to change everything. And we've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Right? I've gotten the anointing oil and I spread it over the door frame and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and there's still turmoil in my house. There's still brokenness in my house. And he's saying, I am coming to deliver you from being dependent on anything else but me. Still put the oil over the door frame, but don't put your faith in that act. Right? This is... This is what he's coming after. The subtle, the subtle deception of us putting our faith in our works and saying, if I do this, he'll move. If I pray this, he'll come. And he's saying, no, I'm wanting the love of God to define the way that you function in the earth. Because when I called my apostolic children to me, the number one goal was for them to be with me, not do things for me. We are rediscovering a lifestyle of being rooted in rest and saying it's not by what I do, it's by me knowing who you are, which defines who I am, so that when I walk in the room, I recognize it's not a halfway expression of the kingdom walking in the room, but it is fully immersed. I'm fully immersed. You are fully immersed into the person of Jesus. The church the church has done a, a horrible job of equipping the body of Christ because we're still teaching the body of Christ that you are not whole. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, I, I want every ethnic person in this region because they get loud, praise God. Amen. <laughs> But the church has done a, a, a really, really good job at continuing to, to tell people that they're not whole. Right? That you're that, yeah, that there's there's still there's still there's still this you're you're still broken. I'm I'm not broken anymore. I'm not broken anymore. I'm not Adam anymore. You're, you're not Adam anymore. You're, you may still believe that you're Adam and live like you're Adam, but you're not. The crux of the church has been built on the identity that we are still not one with Jesus. Right? We're going to get there. I need to hurry because I'm dancing around. So, so... Zechariah looks and he's fearful. Every, every encounter with the angelic in, in, the de, in the declaration of the gospel of Jesus being born of a virgin, what did, they, what did, did, what did the messenger had to address every single time? Their fear. Every time. And we sit there and say, well, it was just because the angel was so big and vast and great and it scared them. I don't believe that. I believe that the religious spirit had ingrained in them that for 400 years God had been silent and he was coming to pour a curse out on society. 
I believe that the religious spirit had caused them to be fearful of a God that was created in a religious image. What was the last expression of God in the Old Testament? A God who demanded blood. Right? A God who declared that if you don't sack, like, right? That's what, that's what was ingrained. But, but we, we went through this before, and we can go back again, that there's multiple scriptures in the Old Testament where God says, the law was never my idea. The system of sacrifice was not my idea. He actually said that he detests the old system, the old way. But, but religion, because religion wants us to become dependent on structures and buildings and humans and dependent on, on fitting into boxes, right? And when the angel of the Lord showed up, the fear of a God who is angry showed up on the inside of them. And the messenger had to redefine their paradigms about God. From Luke 1 and Luke 2, the encounter with Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, and, 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 and praise to God, what's his father's name? My brain stopped working. Joseph. Hallelujah. Can't forget that, bro. I want to say John twice, three times. Every single time they encountered the angel, this is what the angel had to do. And I want to read this. You can write this down. <clears throat> this is, everybody wants encounters with angels, right? We were created to, to, <clears throat> to engage with the angelic. You were created to engage with the angelic. I, there are, there, there are angels that are predominantly those that we, that we, we have protection, thing, things that we have no awareness of. The angelic that's there constantly with us, promoting the gospel. And then there are angelic hosts that have been given to us for a specific assignment. And, he, and these angels, the angelic host, carries specific messages from Yahweh to release into our hearts to change the way that we think. Right? I've been given angels, and I carry on conversations with them. Why? Not because I'm worshiping them and lifting them up before, before God, but I know that there are specific assignment and messages that have been given to them that Yahweh has sent them to give me and to impart in my heart, in my, my mind, and my soul to transform so that I can release what God's doing in the earth. So here we go. The angelic carries a message that transforms our paradigms while unlocking the manifestation of our inheritance in Jesus. I'll read that again. The angelic carries the messengers of God, the fiery messengers, the spirit messengers of God. They carry a message that transforms our paradigms, our thinking, the way that we see, the way that we hear, the way that we perceive, the way that we filter life and promises in the future and the present and the past. They come with a message What's the message? Jesus. They come with the revelation of the word. It transforms our paradigms 
while unlocking our inheritance. This is, I believe that's what God's saying over the earth today. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Because what I'm doing in the earth is the greatest display of joy the world has ever seen. Right? But some of us want to listen to to preachers that are still preaching about uh, death, destruction, and perils that are coming to the earth, and that's God's hand moving. Right? We can keep doing that, but it hasn't changed a thing. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. It's not, it's not, hey, this city that you live in, God's fixing to send a huge, massive flood and kill all of you. God loves you, so turn to God so that while you're drowning, you'll go to heaven. Right? We sit there and laugh, but, 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 but that's, that's the ultimative of it. If we're prophesying death and destruction... We're all, we sit here and say, let me, let me get something hard and bludgeon you to death. And right before, just say Jesus so that you'll go to heaven. And that's, that is the display of God's love over your life. Right? I saw Jesus weep over Jerusalem. Didn't he? Did he weep over Jerusalem? Did he weep over what their future looked like? He didn't sit there and say, yes, maybe the nasty sinners will turn to God as fire breaks out and they all suffer. Right? But that's how a lot of our prophecy sounds like. What is prophecy for? Edification, encouragement, equipping, uplifting. That's, that's the New Testament version of prophecy. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I know that we like a little dose of wrath in there. Right? We like a little dose of wrath in there, but ultimately it is the goodness of God that causes men to repent. And we sit there and say, well, what about the, the judgment that he was talking about in that chapter? It, his judgment was Jesus. What's my judgment? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So let me, let me go there real quick. Let's hurry. Praise God. This is, I have, one of the things that I have, one of the assignments on, on this house right now predominantly. It'll change as we continue to go. It's twofold. To build a house that's, that, that its root system is worship, is an infatuation with the person of God. And second, to dismantle, overthrow, and kill every expression of the religious spirit. I, have, I came, when I first come back here, they opened up this back for me to come pray. And every time I would come in here and pray, not just over this church, but over the region, there was a demonic mocking spirit that would sit and say, I give the church this much so they'll get tripped up and distracted by their own pride. I give them that much because they think they're effective, but they're not. This is not me just making it up. I would walk in here and I would see the physical expression of that demonic spirit and it was a mocking religious spirit that was saying, I'm getting the church tripped up in pride, thinking they're doing something, but really, they're going around in circles. And I knew, I knew that in this, mo- in, this, in this moment when God called us to do this, it was going to be a very, very... The word the Lord gave me was what we would come back and do here would be the greatest experience of rejection that I ever walked through. Why? Why? 
Because the church hates the spirit of Jesus. No, no, let me first that. Sorry. The religious spirit hates the spirit of Jesus. And God is raising up a bride and a church that is fully engaged with the person of Jesus so that every other voice they recognize in a moment and say, that's not him. That's not him. And he's coming, he's coming after our, our, our beliefs. He's coming after our beliefs, right? I said this a while back, and I made fun of it, but it's okay. The, um, the, the youth camp, the, and I'm not going to name the, 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 the uh, organization, denomination, okay? I won't do it. <clears throat> Y'all going to know it's a Pentecostal denomination when I say this, but uh, they, they made a list of, of, of how many people got saved, healed, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, rededicated their lives, and are ready for this, how many people got sanctified? As how in the world do you gauge how many people got sanctified? Right? Because we're, we're believing things we don't understand. I said, what do they set, set up hidden cameras in their rooms and say, well, they stopped doing that. So they're sanctified. Right? They put bugs on them and they stop doing that. They're sanctified. Right? We have defined things in the kingdom separate from the person of God. We ask questions. What's sanctification? What's holiness? Right? What's perfection? What is it? It's a man. It's Jesus. We have tried, religion has taught us to take things, categorize them, put them in a nice, neat little box and say, this is what it is, and I can prove to you whether or not you're sanctified or not. Right? Right? But the people that we would label as sanctified might be the ones who are gossiping about everybody and nobody knows it. But we would look at the person with a short skirt and say they're not sanctified yet. Right? Right? Are you ready for this? Ready for this? You are no more sanctified the moment that you realize that you, you are one with Jesus than you are 10, 20 years down the road. Not because your sanctification is not based off your works. It's based off his finished work. Your status of holiness does not depend on you. It depends on his finished work. Right? But we're saved, right? What is it? We're saved by grace alone. Right? Grace of faith alone. We're saved by grace alone. 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 I mean, can we hear that? Alone. It is his grace that has saved the cosmos. It is his goodness that has reconciled all of creation. Right? Right? We get, we get real mincy with this because it's like, did, did, he, did he save the creation A.D., B.C., or all of it? Ready? He saved all of it. He saved all creation. Right? That's what the Bible says. That he redeemed and brought everything. Colossians 1. Let's turn there real fast. Okay? Because, because this, is, this is the same message that Zechariah was so inundated with. At Mary, 
right? Joseph, the whole game, Elizabeth, of saying, how can you do this? You can't do this. You can't do this. It's impossible. But he said, no, no, I'm fixing to send my seed into the world and tell you that everything that's impossible with man, it is totally not impossible with God. Right? Right? And we're sitting there saying, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There, there, there. Here we go. Okay, Colossians 1. Come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Y'all there? I'm not. <clears throat> I apologize. I should be there already. Just say Amen. Over and over until I get there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am my, I am killing it, y'all. Killing it. I apologize. I know where it's at. Praise God. <laughs> Here we go. It gets. Open up in Jesus' name. Okay. It's after Galatians. I know this. Are y'all ready? Nope. Jesus, I'm making a fool of myself. I promise you I know where it is. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. All right. Oh, Jesus. A devil trying to distract me. Praise God. No. Colossians. Let's look at it. Oh, man. Let's look at verse, verse 18. Actually, let's look at verse 15. Y'all ready? Passion translation. You can read it in any, tra- any translation. Um, it's the same thing. He is, a, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. The firstborn heir of all what? All creation. All creation. All creation. What is that? Genesis 1. Correct? Correct? All creation. It, that means he is the God of all it's not secret. It's, it's not, it's not kind of. It's all. I am the God of all creation. Right? I'm the God of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made. And now everything finds completion in him. Who are we talking about? Jesus. The he that we're talking about is Jesus. So everything finds completion in Jesus. Listen to this. Verse 70. He existed before anything was made. And now everything. He existed before anything, but now everything finds completion in him. The issue is we don't believe it. You are complete. See, when I say that you're whole and you're holy and you're sanctified and you're, and, and, and like we, this, is, this is the phrase, I, they, they've been saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost and sanctified, whatever. You could probably say it better than me, right? All right, they've been sanctified because they spoke in tongues, right? Speaking in tongues was not the evidence of sanctification. Gifts is not the evidence of sanctification, of holiness, of righteousness. Gifts are, have nothing to do with it, right? Because what happened? Who experienced the greatest display of signs, wonders, and miracles in the Old Testament? The children of Israel. I don't, there's no other society who experienced more signs, wonders, and miracles than the children of Israel. And how, what did they miss? The promise. 
Signs, wonders, and miracles do not, are not an evidence of the righteousness of God in your life. Do you know what the evidence of the righteousness of God in your life is? Rest. What did Hebrews tell us? They didn't know rest. They didn't know how to live outside of the world of striving and performing and trying to earn the love of God and get God's attention. Right? So when the messengers showed up to Zechariah, Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, they're like, oh, we are so scared because God's angry. God's angry. And he's fixing to pour his wrath out on all of us right now. The curse is manifested. Because what is Malachi? The very first thing, last thing. If sons don't turn to the fathers and fathers to the son, I am going to curse the land. So guess what, guess what was on their mind? Oh, crap. He didn't, the fathers and sons didn't turn or something like that. They're fixing to die, right? Right? And that's what we have... That's what God's wanting to deliver us from, the expectation of wrath, the expectation of rejection. We we have been conditioned by religion to expect rejection. Right? Because 99% of our self-talk is, I wish I would have done that. I didn't do that right. I wish I would have done that better. Right? Self-talk reveals what you believe, not when things are going good, right? When the boss is like, home run, baby, it's when you think you're fixing to lose your job, right? And you're like, oh, man, I screwed up, right? Or you need an enemy in your life, like, it's their fault. Because if anything that goes wrong starts attacking your, your worth, and the enemy wants to get us distracted off of the finished work, so that we can look at Jesus and say, you didn't do enough. Right? Okay. <laughs> this is the thing. In, in Luke 2, don't turn there because I know you are, you are in Colossians. We're going to stay there. I, I want to read this. I want to read this. So this is, we know the story. This is kind of the crux of, of where we're, we're coming from. Luke 2. It says that in Luke 2, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him down in a feeding trough since there was no room for them in the end. Now there was also shepherds in the area keeping watch at night over their flock in the open fields. Then suddenly a celestial messenger of the Lord stood by them and the light of the glory of the Lord engulfed them and they were petrified. The celestial messenger immediately calmed them and said this. Are you ready? You have no reason to fear. Listen, I have the most wonderful announcement to make. This will lead to the greatest encounter of the most joyful bliss for every single person on the planet. For your Savior was born this day in the city of David, the Messiah, the Master. We have a God who wants to pour.
pour the joy of the Lord out on us and stop allowing us to live in the trenches of fear of disapproval and rejection so that we can hear that the day he was born is the day that joy broke out for all creation and we get to shout, dance, and rejoice because there was a new measurement established. Right? The old system measured you. The religious spirit measures you. When are you going to measure up? When are you going to get this done? Right? We want to see the drug culture completely obliterated. I should be doing more. Right? We should be doing No, I'm telling you, there's a new measurement. The word that we love, Christ, Christos, it carries the idea. I want to read this. Are you ready for this? I love this. The word Christos comes from a root word that means to anoint, to draw the hand over, to anoint, and to measure. The measurement has been changed. Jesus is the measurement now. You are measured by Christ. Your status, who you are, is measured in Christ. Right? If you can't look in the mirror and say, I'm a finished work, then you don't understand the finished work of Jesus. And it's okay. It's okay. Because we're all saying, let me dive deeper into the revelation of it is finished. Let me read this. I'm going to finish up. The word Messiah, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for Messiah, it also means, are you ready? To draw the hand over, to measure. First, this is, are you, I love this. The only valid measure that defines our lives is the one wherewith God has measured us in Christ. Ready? Sin was your master while the law was your measure. Now grace rules. The law revealed your slavery to sin. Now grace reveals your freedom from it. The messengers were saying, there's a new measurement taking place. There's a new declaration that's being released in the earth. And it's time for us to stop telling people that God can't look upon sin. Right? That all the sinners in the world, God can't look upon them. Right? How many, how many who's heard that? That God can't look upon sin. Right? God can't look upon sin. And, and, and when Jesus said, Eli, that Jesus, why have you forsaken me? That God turned his back on Jesus, right? Who's been told that? Who has been taught that when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible that it was taught that God can't look on sin. Jesus became sin, so God had to say, I can't be around you anymore. Right? We were taught that. I mean, I was taught that. Right? You need to go read Psalms 22 because he's that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is finished, is the first sentence and the last sentence of Psalms 22. Okay? Jesus was a human body, right? He was in a human body. He had had the tar beat out of him, his entrails were hanging out, his lungs were filling up with fluid. Right? So I don't think he had the air capacity to sit there and read verse 1 all the way to like 50 something. He was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring Psalms 22. I'm taking your question, my God, my God, why have you? And I'm declaring you, that question is finished. 
That question's finished, right? So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Ready? So, so I know the Bible says that God can't look upon sin favorably, right? So I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus fully God? Right? Jesus is fully God, okay? So when Jesus was on the cross, did he all of a sudden become not God? He was God, right? So if God can't look upon sin, then God can't become sin for us. Right? Instead of us believing that God can't look on sin, he said, I'll get right in the middle of it and I'll become your delusion. I'll take on your deception and your darkness. When, when it said that Jesus became sin, he didn't become he didn't become porn addict or gossiper or liar or this. He took on broken identity. He said, I will take broken identity on. I will become your broken identity and I'll nail it to the cross. I'll crucify it. I will let it die and I will come back up as a new creation. Right? So in, when Colossians tells us that we died with him, Ephesians tells us this. The epistles tell us, when he died, who died with him? All of creation. Everyone died with him. And when he rose up, who rose with him? All of creation. And I am not going to preach a gospel that says, you're out, I'm in, and you need to at some point get in. Because you're not worth 10 cents until you start. Right? The gospel that was released was a gospel of good news and joy. And the gospel we preach is this. Are you ready? Turn or burn. That's the gospel we preach. That is the heresy that has been preached in the Western world for ages. Right? What I'm saying, the Western world would tell me is heresy. But the Bible tells me differently. So you can hold on to your old religious doctrines. Right? I, I, don't, I don't want that. And I know you don't want that. Who do you want? You want Yeshua. You want Jesus. You want Father, Son, and Spirit. Right? Let me finish. I'm almost done. I've been going for a while, right? Thank you, Leviticus. <clears throat> so we're saved only by grace through faith. Okay? That's the scripture that we're taught. You're saved only by grace through faith. Right? But after, after that, that you're saved only by grace. Right? And, then, and then all of a sudden, we sit there and say, but you have to receive him. You have to, you have to say, you have to do something. Right? We're saved. All of creation is saved. They only have to believe. See, that's when people get uncomfortable, right? Who's uncomfortable? No, we're not uncomfortable. <laughs> Jesus saved all of creation. He saved all of creation. And all of creation went into the tomb. And I love what T.F. Torrance says. He says that his tomb became the cosmos, all of creation's womb. His tomb became the place that we were all newly created in Christ. 
and we resurrected with him. Right? And instead of us going around preaching and telling people, you're an old, you're an old man, 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 you need to, you need to get saved, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. Instead, why don't we look at him and say, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All the old stuff has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Right? Instead of a certain extent, we have been prolific in proving to the world that they're disgusting. Right? Right? We, we, we're in an age where the church is preaching, especially in the hour. What we're doing, we're just responding to the world. Okay? Our 90% of the church is responding to the, wor- the world's doing. The whole homosexual, transgender thing. So instead of us getting to know Jesus, we, we have to make sure that we, we, we declare what we believe to the masses. Right? We believe that God only made man and woman. Okay. Is that true? Amen. That, that homosexuality is broken identity. Right? We believe that. We believe that. That's, that's truth. It's truth. But it's not being declared from the right spirit. Right? Because 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13 tells us, hey, this is what you were before. But now you've been, you've been sanctified. You've been washed. You've been redeemed by the washing of the word, by the blood of the lamb. Okay, let me finish because i got to move on. Okay, saved by grace through faith. And then we and they add that there's a work afterwards. And there's not. It's saved by grace. We've been saved by grace. Okay? Now it's our job to preach the gospel and see if people believe who they really are. Right? This has nothing to do. I'm not preaching heaven or hell, guys. That's not what this message is about. I'm preaching about what are we telling society who they are. Amen? Okay, I'm almost done. Hebrews, we're going to look at Hebrews, and then we'll end this. Hebrews 1, and we'll end it. That is smart. That's my smart. That's what I was ending it. <laughs> Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Thank you for your glory, Lord. Thank you, God. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Throughout the history, throughout history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment of time. It was only a fragment at a time. Building one truth upon another. But to us living in these days, God now speaks to us openly in the in it, it is finished language. What is the it is finished language? The language of the Son. Everything that the Old Testament was pointing to, Jesus 100% personifies and finishes it. Okay? Now he speaks to us openly in language of the Son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him God created the panorama of all things and, and all time. The Son, are you ready for this? The Son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it 
by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sin and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. John 14 and 9 says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Okay? John 1 says that the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? Colossians 1 and 15 Jesus is the invisible manifest, Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible God. God chose to reveal himself through his son. And if you cannot find what you like in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, if you can't find it in Jesus, then you're wrong. Then I'm wrong. Right? There's been tons of stuff that we've been walking through that was preached as if it was the gospel in red in the scriptures and we realized it wasn't even in the Bible because we become more infatuated with, with our likes and dislikes than we do with the person of Jesus because the person of Jesus comes and messes everything up. We, we listened to one of Isaiah's old songs about he's doing something new in our, one of our prayers on Wednesdays. And the glory of the Lord settled in an in a extreme way. Because he's coming to mess up everything that we have put in place. And the, I'm telling you, the first thing he's coming after is our belief system. He's coming after our belief system. Because that is the thing which builds strongholds in our lives that keeps us separated from him. And if we have strongholds in our lives and then we're berating the culture around us, we're, we're reinstilling the stronghold of the illusion of separation. I'm going to ask this question and be done. Do you believe that society is separated from God? If you believe that, then Jesus is coming to show you that you're wrong. They're not separated from him. Religion taught us that, he, that, that, that we were separated from him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you that you're sending the message that's transforming our paradigms. Dustin, will you play just a little bit? Father, we thank you that, that you're coming to drive out every ounce of fear and rejection. Father, we thank you that in our lives right now that you are confronting the lies of separation, the illusion of brokenness. But we have been made whole by the person of Jesus and by his finished work. Father, I thank you that this message is not empowering the lifestyle of sin. But it's revealing sin's true status. Dead, destroyed, defeated. Father, I thank you that the message of righteousness, that the declaration of it is finished, is not building up 
places for us to hide our sin and our shame. But it's teaching us without fear to open ourselves up to the light of God and say, you know everything about me. And I surrender to the revelation that what you have started, you've already finished it in me. Come on, I'm saved only by grace this morning. We're only saved by grace through faith. Through faith. And you ask yourself and say, how do I use my faith? You don't. You look at Hebrews and you realize that the faith that you have is Jesus' faith. It's not even your faith that you can work up, strive, conjure up, stir it up, build it up. His faith is my faith. His faith is your faith. And you ask today, what is faith? Faith is the persuasion of what God has always known to be true about you and about himself. What is faith? Faith is that he's a God who is love. What is faith? Faith is that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is faith? The old man is dead. The new creation has come alive. And now it's time to behold what is real, what is true. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. What is that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We can't ask these questions. What's mercy? What's truth? What's faith? And separate these things from the person of Jesus. He is faith. He is mercy. Come on, you say, well, well, God has wrath. Well, guess what? Jesus is the display of God's wrath. The earth said, what does wrath look like? And he said, let me embody wrath and show you what it looks like. It is my love coming and reaping vengeance on everything that hinders love. It is me coming and destroying everything that teaches you and tells you that you're separated, that you're worthless, that you're merely filthy rags in the eyes of God. What is wrath? It's God coming and saying, in power and manifested glory. He's saying, you are my beloved one. What's judgment? It's God saying that even though you were yet sinners, that God loved us and came and poured his love out, called Jesus and saved us when we didn't think we were worth saving. his judgment his judgment is oh I've been saved for 20 years but I'm still tripping up in this and God must not be happy with me and he's saying even in your darkest hour I find you lovely pleasurable and desirable and in that revelation you get delivered not because you fought and strived but because you were found rest in his full acceptance what were Elizabeth and Zechariah and Joseph and Mary and the shepherds being delivered from the response of fear 
He was saying, you're no longer a slave to fear. But you have been brought in fully accepted by the love of the Father. And now you get to cry, Abba. What were they being delivered from? This austere, angry, distant God that was ready to bring out wrath with every breath and every step to being delivered into the revelation that he is Abba, he is Abba, he is Abba. Holy Spirit, come and baptize us in the revelation of acceptance. Baptize us into your fiery love like we've never known. Come, angelic host, with the message of transformation this morning. Hear the heavenly host declaring, do not be afraid. Do not tremble in fear. But what Abba, what Yahweh is releasing looks like joy unspeakable and full of glory. What Abba is releasing sounds like peace that passes all understanding. We make room for you this morning. We yield to you. We make space. We make room. All we want is to know the warmth of your presence, the transforming power of your glory. Come on, sons and daughters. You were made for this. You were created to gaze upon his face, to live face to face. the offense of religion rise up on the inside of me I recognize it's a sacrifice that I get to offer to Yahweh every time the Pharisee the Sadducees got offended and lost their honor for what Jesus was doing it was a moment to say I surrender my offense to you we, we love Misty Edwards song I don't want to be offended I don't want to be offended. Come on. Come on. As a people, as a body, as a family, we don't want to be offended when you come in the room, Jesus. Come on. We grab a hold of Bobby Connor's word that what you're doing in the earth now is different. It's new. It's never been seen before. It's so much like Jesus that the church would reject it and be offended by it. the one who catches my gaze the, the one who reveals everything come on. come on the angels of the Lord are swirling in here this morning to release the revelation of union 
to release the revelation of the perichoresis of unity with Father, Son, and Spirit in this circle dance that you and I were created to know intimacy with Father, Son, and Spirit with the Trinity. You're not outside of the Trinity. You're not outside of their their love affair. You're wrapped in flesh, in spirit, in them, right here, right now. and glory of Yahweh and to be sent out into the highways and the byways and release the fragrance of Jesus. We say yes to Zion. We say yes to being people that dwell in the house of Yahweh. Father, we thank you that we are Psalms 87, the your favorite place on earth. is silencing your past this morning. Every time you look back and say, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have handled it that way. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And the Father's whispering over you and saying, all I see is that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. scripture that God takes our sin and casts it into the sea of of forgetfulness. Guys, he says he casts it into a sea. It it doesn't say forgetfulness. He casts your sin into a sea. And you know what he's declaring? I choose to never remember it. I could. I could. But I choose to never remember it because your history has been rewritten. And it, your timeline doesn't, it, you had old timelines gone, guys. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Let's tell him thank you. And then we will uh, then we'll dismiss. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, 
Jesus, that you made us righteous. That you made us as we are ought to be right here, right now. That we're not defined by tomorrow's success or tomorrow's failure, but we're defined by the complete victory, the eternal victory of Yeshua. That my strength to do right, be right, has nothing to do with my own faith, my own strength, my own striving, but it is in the finished work of the Lamb. Father, we we sever the lie that those who are out in the world are drug addicts, prostitutes, rejects, sinners, filthy rags. Lord, we sever that lie. Come on, partner with me and let's sever the lie. We declare that the light of Yeshua shines on them right where they are. And we declare that who they truly are would be revealed in an instant. That they are the sons and daughters of God. That they are the redeemed of the Lord. That they are those who've been brought back into original intent. We declare an awareness to break forth. We declare the spirit of wisdom and revelation to manifest in the unveiling of a good, good father. Every porn performer and porn producer, we declare that that is not who you are. You're innocent, you're whole, you're redeemed. You're not a performer. You're not an entertainer. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. But you've come into a government of peace that knows no end. That Yeshua has become your shoulders. Every son and daughter who's living in the wilderness and trying to figure out how to get victory, we declare that Yeshua already gained the victory over the wilderness season. And we declare that you're coming into the revelation of it is finished. I declare over this region every, every display of envy Every display of envy, whether it be in the marketplace or in the houses of worship, we declare that the competition, the backbiting, the striving, the trying to up one, measuring who has it bigger and better. We declare that that's that's no more, that the wisdom of God would break forth. The sevenfold manifest spirit of God would break forth. We prophesy over this region that you're not hard, but you've been told that you're hard. 
We declare over the ground that you're not hard and dead and dry. We declare we break those false prophecies over this region. And we declare the ground is ready. We declare it's an oasis of glory. We cancel every false prophecy over this region. Every word of destruction. Father, I declare over the African-American community in this region, you're the sons and daughters of God. I declare that you are not destroyed by victimization and injustices. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I call forth their sound. I call forth their expression. We make room. We make space for the beautiful, unique expression of the kingdom. saying to look again look back in the place where there's been deficit where there's been loss look where striving and hoping produce nothing go back again and look the seed of reformation is blooming the unveiling of Jesus is washing over a generation. Stop going to the, the news and the TV. Stop going to books, CDs, and radios. Come into the in Him realm. Come into the place of where it's finished and it's done. And see from that perspective. See from that place. season and the, re, the Lord is reestablishing your source from his self unveiling through the sun he is redefining what you believe about yourself what you believe about your season and he's redefining where your source is I just want you to put your hands out real quick I want to bless you then we'll go In this season that God is coming and He's confronting fear and He's transforming our thinking and producing peace and joy and righteousness, He's manifesting the kingdom to the Spirit. And I declare right now by the unveiling that the Spirit of grace unveiling the Son of God to us in this hour is redefining who we are redefining the season that we're in and allowing us to discover the source of our great inheritance 
and our great exploits. I declare over you, you will raise the dead. You will see the sick healed, the lame walk, the deaf and blind see and hear. We will see. We will see. The most evil of diseases bow before the name of Jesus. We will see nations turn to God. We will see entire industries transformed by the message of the good news of Jesus. But he's coming for you right here, right now. And he's going to do it with you. And so, Lord, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen. Lord, I thank you that we will not be limited by our past experiences. I thank you that you're producing joy and peace where there's been loss, where there's been a deficit, where there's been doubt and fear and friction. And from that place, you are producing heaven on earth. And it looks just like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Father, to declare that as these ones go, they're going in the revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation going deeper and deeper into the intimacy of Yahweh. And it's illuminating their imagination and igniting an explosive power on the inside. We say yes. Come on, together, let's just say yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes to Jesus. Was it, baby, when, what was it? Was it uh, Friday? I think it's Friday. I said, I'm really working on keeping it down to 30 minutes. I promise, I promise. I said, I think I'm going to keep it to 30 minutes. It's probably two hours, and I, I apologize. But, um, but he's redefining. He's redesigning. And so we, we just are so thankful for what he's doing. And so, hey, I want to tell you something. I've been places. I've been places, and... Um, and I'm thankful for his presence. Thankful for his presence. And so, amen. Go, 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 go and be different. Be different. Amen. Because I'm telling you, we went out to eat after Sunday and I talked to you guys about how people are rude on Sundays. And the, the waitress was like, I'm telling you, I hate working Sundays. And I said, well, not today, girl. Praise the Lord. So, I love y'all.